Welcome to the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we explore the interesting lives of business leaders, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, and others who have a healthy dose of the entrepreneurial spirit. It is time to explore something cool. Now, here is your host, Tom Singer. Welcome to another episode of Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. And you know, I always say on this show that what is an entrepreneur? I mean, that's a pretty big and broad topic of of what's out there. And we say in the intro that the show is for entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, business leaders, and anybody who has that entrepreneurial spirit. But today we're going to go a little different direction. Today I've got a professional actor and one who's in Hollywood and actually landing roles here on the show. And the way I came to meet Sean Payne was sort of accidental. We really don't know each other. I'm kind of get to know him as you get to know him through this interview. But he followed me on Twitter. And I don't know about you, but when someone follows you on Twitter, sometimes, not everybody, but every now and then I'm a little curious about who is this person? And, you know, I wonder what they do. And I clicked on it, said he was an actor. And if you listen to this show, you know that my dream as a kid was to be an actor. So I was like, huh, clicked a little farther, found his bio. And it turns out he had gone to college to follow that dream that, you know, do what your parents you know, encourage you to do. Go get that regular degree and a regular job. And he landed a killer internship at Amazon. And he, he thought, oh, I've, I've done it. This is where I'm going. And his bio basically said he looked around and realized that a lot of the people didn't seem happy. And he was young. And did he just want a corporate job? Because that's what society had said. And so he followed his heart. And he took up acting and, and went to study, studied Shakespeare in London. And now he's in Los Angeles. And I thought that is cool, because it ties totally into the theme that we talk about on this show of reinventing yourself and clearly to, you know, graduate from college and then leave behind sort of that path that you've created to kind of zig to the left and go be an actor. That's reinvention. And then we also talk about following your dreams. And I think lots of times, you know, I hear from listeners on the show who haven't followed their dreams, and I'm guilty of that. I wanted to be an actor as a kid, and I grew up in Los Angeles, and I never pursued it. And I look back, you know, now that I'm almost 50 years old, and I think, come on, what, you know, what was I thinking? I should have at least tried. And so I know that's a common theme on the show. So I sent a text, I think a private message on on Twitter to Sean, and I said, you're exactly the type of person who I want to have on the show. And he did what I love people with a real entrepreneurial spirit to do. And that is, without knowing a lick about me, he said, okay. Because I think great entrepreneurs and people with that entrepreneurial spirit, they're apt to say yes instead of just saying no to everything. So he said yes. And so we got on the show and we haven't really had much of a background chat. So we're going to have this little discovery together. So Sean Payne, welcome to Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Thank you so much. I'm happy to be here. So I gave a little bit of a coverage of kind of what you did, but you do such a better job of telling your own story. Where did you start and what got you to where you are? Sure. So um, I I went to the University of Washington. Uh, I started kind of working through degrees left and right, trying to figure out exactly what I wanted to do. Um, landed in kind of the tech region. And then uh, as I was working, I actually worked for Tesla Motors for a while as a sell, as a salesman. Um, and then, you know, following uh, just kind of some recommendations, I ended up with this uh, internship at Amazon. Um, and it was in the period between my, my senior year of college and actually a fifth year that I had to go to to finish off a few 
credits. Um, so I ended up at Amazon. Uh, I was I was sitting at my desk um, working with another friend of mine who also got hired, and we just kind of blew through everything they had outlined for us in a matter of two to three weeks. Um, we're both bright guys, and uh, I think both of us are very ambitious. And what I was realizing is, uh, one, is that I, I just didn't feel like I needed a structure around what I was doing. Uh, I, I didn't feel like I needed to be told what to do by anyone in order to be, uh, in order to kind of like give back a gift to the world. Um, and uh, essentially, you know, after we had done all this, I kind of just looked around the office and, and looked at people and a lot of people were, were like physically unhealthy, um, like they had gained weight. And over the summer, I actually started to kind of become unhealthy as well. I was eating, I was eating less healthy because I was always stressed or in a rush. Uh, I started getting up later in the morning. I stopped working out as much. And I just kind of, by the end of the internship, I, I was just like, I can't do this for the rest of my life. And it's a bad start when you're early 20s to start saying, I'm putting on weight and getting a gut and eating chips and things like that. Because it's one thing when you're 40 or 50. It's another thing if you're in your early 20s and you already see that path coming at you. Yeah, I, I mean, and I think that is, uh, I think that's kind of pervasive right now throughout culture. And uh, I'm, I'm thinking that actually there's probably going to be a big trend uh, where we're, we start to fix some of these issues because, you know, the obesity rates are rising and there's there's a lot of problems there. Um, I actually think that even people's productivity for eight hours a day is not as high as they like to make it out to be. So you looked around and you said, this isn't this isn't for me. So what did you do? So um, at the end of my internship, my my boss kind of interviewed me and she said, you know, how did you how did you feel about this internship? And I just said, you know, I freaking hate it. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I will never come back here. And uh, it, when she was talking to me, she was kind of uh, she was she was pretty young. She was like 27. She'd gone to the University of Washington as well, was a sorority girl there. And, uh, you know, she told me that the only reason that she really pursued the path she did is because her parents were, um, culturally, they, they were, uh, they were Persian and, uh, they have kind of a high sense of, of respect. And, um, so she kind of did what her parents wanted her to do. And she was also in the recession at the time she graduated. So, uh, she was kind of like, okay, well, I just need to get a job. And she told me that I should just go follow my, follow my heart and do whatever I wanted to do. Um, and so I thought back to when I was little, what I wanted to do. I think that's the best way to determine what you're meant to do in life is look at the things that you enjoyed when you were a kid, because that stuff pretty much never changes. Um, and I, I just kind of looked back. I remember being kind of a performance kid. I did a lot of impressions for my parents, dressed up as people I saw on TV, and I was making home films when I was in middle school. Um, and then that kind of died as, as you know, life kind of set in, and, and it seemed like an unrealistic thing at the time because no one was saying that that was a realistic career path. Well, and I can totally relate to that because my friends and I, I had a little, you know, when I, I'm a lot older than you are, when we made movies, we were making them with a Super 8 camera, and then we'd use a cassette player later to record the audio because we didn't have the ability. <laughs> Ability. You know, we didn't all walk around in my day with a with a video camera in your pocket via your phone, but we were making movies and we used to make some great things. We'd have showings for all our friends in somebody's basement. And one of the guys from our group of friends just fell in love with that as I did. But he actually had a little bit more guts, and Darren's now a sound man at Warner Brothers and actually runs a lot of the sound for episodic television. And I'm always looking at him thinking, God, he, he did it, right? I mean, he went and followed part of what we loved to do as a kid. So you are right, looking back at, at what you do. If you can go and do that, you never work a day in your life. I think Darren's one of the happiest people that I know because he gets to work on, on TV and movies, and, and he's the sound guy, and he's fantastic at it. And so I do kind of relate to what you're saying because – I was there, 
And then I was the kid whose society said, no, go, go to get a regular degree, get a regular job and get a house in the suburbs. Yeah, I think it happens every day. So you decided you were going to follow your dream. And so where did that lead you? What, what, what did you do next? Um, so I started taking some, you know, I, I just kind of dipped my foot in the water. I started taking a few drama classes uh, that I could fit into my schedule at the University of Washington for my fifth year. And uh, I, I started to see some real success. Like I, I started to realize like, oh, actually, there's a little bit of positive reinforcement here. Like I'm doing well. You had talent. You actually had the talent, which is important, too. Yeah, I had a natural inclination to pick it up. Um, it wasn't perfect, but I could tell that it was something that I could develop over time. And um, an opportunity kind of came up. Uh, I, I believe opportunities are scarce. I believe it's one of those things, you know, if your buddy calls you and says, hey, I'm going to Cabo, you know, this this spring break or whatever, that that those are kinds of things that you need to jump on because those never come back. Um, and so I saw this opportunity to go study Shakespeare in London uh, and it was a fairly simple application process. And I was like, okay, I need to jump on this opportunity. Like this is a once in a lifetime thing. I can study at one of the best schools in the world. Um, and especially one of the best schools for Shakespearean performance. And, uh, so yeah, I just applied, I got in, I was accepted. It was a, it was fairly expensive, but I was just like, screw it. This is, this is awesome. And, uh, I flew out there. Well, I want to stop you here because you were talking about sort of, you know, wanting to please your parents and, and, and sort of society bringing you this way. So how thrilled were mom and dad when you said, by the way, thanks for this five years of education. And for the record, I'm going to go study Shakespeare. Uh, <laughs> I think my dad, I mean, my dad was definitely pissed. Uh, I, he was, he was infuriated. Cause I think, you know, for him, he was like, well, I'm glad, you know, that I, I spent, I, he's like, basically like, I'm glad I helped you with your, your college tuition. Um, and you know, cause now, you know, clearly you're doing something valuable with it. And it was kind of sarcasm, you know? And, uh, my mom though was a lot more understanding. She was like, you know, she was a, I'm just not sure if either of my parents took me seriously because I think what people mistake is throughout throughout my college career, I probably changed majors about seven times, um, and I jumped through quite a few different jobs. I had quite a few different experiences, um, and I think what people confuse is, is they kind of, you know, people like what's comfortable, and uh, I think to see somebody jumping around and trying a lot of different things to them says that somebody doesn't know what they want, but the real thing is, at any given point, I knew exactly what I wanted. I wanted to be doing whatever it was that I was doing, and then as soon as it, as soon as it stopped bringing me joy, I said, okay, realistically, do I want to do this for a long time? Um, and so I don't think parents tend to take you seriously when you say like, oh, I'm going to be an actor. Uh, but then I think once I was, you know, once I did these shows and my, and my mom got to come out and see some of those. And uh, eventually after long after London, I got my dad to come out to a show. And I, I think that kind of turned him around. Well, um, and, and growing up, I always said I wanted to be an actor. And my parents always said, you know, go to college, get a job. And then if you want to go pursue it, you know, when you're older and you're established, you have some money in the bank. And really, that was somewhat bad advice because life takes over. Over when you get older, you know, I was I was married at 25, had my first kid by 30. And all of a sudden you have responsibilities for other humans. And so, <laughs> you know, I think that we do a disservice when we don't encourage people to, to jump around when they're young and really find where their passion is. And I think I, I admire you for having done it. Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, you know, I think what will be really important in the future for for all parents and for our education system, which I think needs some reform, is to um, is to one give give kids more exposure to different things that they can do, and to be encouraging of you know like the the, the crazy dreams you have when you're kids, they can be actualized. You just have to be told that you can do them, and I think a lot of kids would actually go out and do what they wanted to do if somebody just believed in them. 
Um, there are actually a lot of big examples throughout history where, <laughs> you know, some of the most famous people that, that you can think of in history were at a young age. They said they wanted to do something and one person believed in them and told them they could do that. And they might have been in the shittiest situation, you know, in terms of their, their money or their income or their status or wherever they were. And they, you know, they came out to be great. Um, well, and, and I think the opposite happens a lot in the fact that somebody wants to do something and somebody tells them they can't do it and it stifles them. I, when I was in eighth grade, you know, in addition to being an actor, I wanted to be a writer. And I remember my eighth grade English teacher vividly telling me that my grammar and spelling were not good enough to be a writer and that I had better come up with a different dream because my writing was atrocious. And I remember just being crushed by her saying that. And maybe she thought she was giving me tough love so I'd pay a little bit more attention to my spelling and grammar. But it was really hurtful. And I don't think I wrote again for, for 30 years. And now I've published 11 books and I'm in the process of writing a one-man play, and now I know I can do it. And the thing I learned is you don't have to have great spelling and grammar because there's a thing called an editor. And nobody you know, was lining up telling kids, you know, hey, you don't have to have spelling and, and grammar. Get somebody to edit it. Just let your creativity flow. And that's what I think we should be saying to kids. Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree with you. So you went to London. How did you end up in Los Angeles? Um, so while I was in London, uh, I was planning to go to LA the whole time because I wanted to do film as an ultimate goal. Um, but while I was in London, I actually met, um, a business partner for a, a business that I currently run called uh, Supreme Optimization, which is an SEO company. And when I, when I met him, I was, you know, I found out he was from LA. Uh, I was kind of chatting with him and I was like, well, how do you make money as an actor? And because, you know, I know it's hard out there. And he said, oh, well, I have this SEO company. It's just me right now. Um, but it makes, you know, it makes plenty of dough. And I just kind of said, well, you know, can I join you in this venture? Because um, to me, it was like, it was like a no brainer. It's like, I have a degree that supports this. And I, I thought I could, I thought I could actually be a really great asset. Um, and so, you know, he ended up saying, yeah, like, let's do it. And we, we kind of kept in touch, like shortly after the program. And before you know it, we were working together. Um, so then that just kind of, uh, that kind of like made things easier to come to LA. Cause I, I knew what my job was. I knew what I was going to do. Um, but I would have come down one way or the other. I would have figured it out. So you've been there for how long now in Los Angeles? Uh, about four or five months now. Okay. So let's talk about what's happened the last four or five months. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, touchdown here. The first, uh, first month was, was pretty rough cause I was just trying to figure out what the heck, you know, how the heck this city works. Cause it's huge. Um, <laughs> I know I grew, I grew up in Los Angeles and I still have trouble finding my way around and it's my native land. Yeah. It's, uh, it's crazy. I, I honestly can't believe it. I've never been somewhere that's so chaotic. Um, yeah, so the first month was pretty tough. I mean, uh, I was trying to figure out the roads. Uh, I was late to quite a few different auditions that I that I went to because I just like I'd get stuck somewhere or lost somewhere. And um, I'm on a motorcycle, so it's I can't check my GPS all the time like a lot of people can. Um, so, but once I kind of got things figured out and kind of figured out uh, the process down here, it, it became really clear to me that things aren't as hard down here in the industry as people make it out to be. It's just a lot of people don't know what to do. Um, I really like this quote. Uh, it's, it says, to survive a dire situation, you don't need the brain of Albert Einstein, you don't need the muscles of Arnold Schwarzenegger, and you don't need the reaction time of a NASCAR driver. You just need to know what to do. Um, and I feel like a lot of people down here don't know what to do. I feel like they come down here for the wrong reasons. They don't have any training at all. Um, so, you know, they're just, uh, they're not confident one because they haven't had any sort of like previous acting experience. And then 
Um, two, they, they just don't know how the industry works. They don't know what they need to be doing, what classes they need to take. Um, and they don't see that they don't, they don't understand the benefit of doing unpaid work like student films. Um, but at the end of the day, it's all networking down here. It's all about building your film reel up. It's all about doing a lot of work, getting a lot of exposure. And the more that you do that, the the more success you're going to have. Um, I don't think it's a fairy tale to be down here. I think that if you work at anything for 10, 20, 30, 40 years, that you will be very successful in it. Um, we know it's interesting because the parallels to the speaking business are huge in that. A lot of people think, oh, well, I'm not going to speak for free. Well, great. Then no one's going to hear you speak because you've got to get out there and do some of these things to number one, you know, get exposure. Number two, hone your craft. And number three, learn the way a conference works. So, you know, a lot of speakers, there's an old saying that, you know, you got to speak for free before you speak for fee. And there's all these get rich quick in the speaking business seminars that you can go to who say, oh, that's yesterday. Don't do that. And my thought is, is even now as a seasoned, experienced speaker, you know, if it's local and it's for a nonprofit, the great thing is in my city, I'll speak for like a rotary club and they're not going to pay me, but I can try all new material. So that allows me when I go to a paying client to not drop new material on them. And I think that's why a lot of speakers never change their speech because they never have anywhere they can do it. You know, the best <laughs> the best comics go to open mic night and drop their new material and see how it goes. And I think the same thing is true for speaking. And it sounds like you're saying same thing is true for a new actor. Yeah, that's hilarious. I was actually about to mention and in addition to your your public speaking, the comedy thing, that's that's very true. Um, and they go and flop jokes and then they're terrible. And then they're like, okay, well I need to work on this. And then, you know, it takes them months to change their routine because they have to try this stuff out. And, um, actually speaking of public speaking, are you familiar with Scott Adams? No. Okay. He's the guy who writes the comic strip Dilbert. Oh, sure. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. So he, um, he actually has a, a great book called how to fail at everything and still win big. And, uh, he talks a lot about his journey through public speaking because he, at one point he was one of the most coveted public speakers. And uh, it was just funny to, to listen to what he to, to how his thought process worked as he was evolving in that because he started and he was doing stuff for free because he just, he, you know, um, he didn't understand like how much public speaking can be worth. <laughs> and, you know, more and more, you know, when he was talking to these people, he they'd be like, okay, so what's your rate? And he was like, uh, a thousand bucks. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, after after a while, he just kept he just kept putting it up to see like, you know, when people would stop. And at some point he was saying like, you know, it's, it's a hundred thousand, it's five hundred thousand dollars for me to come out. And people were like, yeah, okay, no problem. And yeah. Well, he's a celebrity, so that's a different business, but yeah, absolutely. The, the, you don't know until you're on the inside of so many businesses. And that's what I tell people who ask my advice about the speaking business. I said, it looks like one thing from the outside. It's entirely different when you're inside actually working. And so I, I imagine that you're finding that now, you know, that you're getting your feet wet and getting settled in, in Hollywood, that it's probably a lot different than it looked like from the outside. Yeah, totally. I mean, there's, um, you know, I, I kind of sat down and did the math on it the other day. There's uh, something like, what, 50 or so casting opportunities a day that fit my range. You know, you assume, say, 30 days um, uh, or excuse me, 50 opportunities a day for 365 days a year. Um, and that's just non-union work. You know, that's just stuff that's accessible in my view. That's 18,250 opportunities coming through a year. Um, and you think about, you know, people like to say, well, it's luck if you make it in LA. Well, you know, luck is created. How many opportunities are you giving yourself to create that luck? If you're doing a student film, it could be garbage. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that, you know, it's, it's hit and miss like anything else. Um, but it could also be that thing that goes to a film festival, like a movie like Whiplash, 
that ended up at a film festival. And then somebody was like, wow, we need to pick this up for a feature film. And then, you know, they end up hiring, uh, they end up hiring the actors that were in that film, or it could just be exposure. You know, somebody sees your work. And then you think about, well, if I have a film, go to a film festival, that's uh, not only the people that I worked with in that film, any of them could blow up and do something big and, and call you back eventually for something. But you've also got all the exposure that's going on as well. So you think, well, what if, you know, what if a thousand people see this at a film festival? Um, who in that audience could be connected to somebody or be somebody that, that could put you in an opportunity? Look at it that way. I mean, the math just becomes astronomical that this is something that you can very feasibly be very successful in. So you bring up a very interesting point that ties back to the business world. And that is, you know, sort of all your peers who have gone the traditional route, who have sort of those corporate jobs, their superiors are telling them about now, you know, now that they're in their <laughs> mid twenties, Hey, your network is really important. And they're all saying, well, how do I, how do I go out and network? What does that mean? in the business community how important is networking for you as an actor uh, it's super important i think it's the i think it's the uh, most important thing down here because you know if you're a director in a director's eyes um especially with film you know it's different for theater but with film you can edit acting to make it look good i mean you can take somebody's best moments you can you can take that moment where they scratch their nose because they, they're like screwing up and put it in somewhere and it'll make sense um so for them Getting a good actor is fairly easy because a lot of people can get to a proficient level of acting where they're workable. Um, the hard thing is finding somebody who's actually going to show up on time, who is going to put the work in, who you know is easy to work with so that you can give them a direction and they're going to change you know, whatever they're doing on camera for you based on your feedback. And, and for, for directors, that's really the biggest concern. So – you know, by networking, by just being somebody that's friendly and and respectable, um, and by doing you know all this work, people can start to see. Okay, this is somebody who's serious about it. There's somebody who shows up when they're needed. There's somebody who does their job, and there's somebody who I can talk to like a human being, and they'll treat me like a human being. Um, and I, I really think you know, if you've ever read like How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie, um, one of the most influential books of all time. It's the only. Dale Carnegie's course was actually the only thing that Warren Buffett kept on on his wall. He he got rid of his college degree and just kept that thing up, <laughs> um, just because you know it's it's about how you interact with people. I think that is the most important thing in life is is how you interact with others. So, Sean, what are you absolutely loving about the life you're creating in Hollywood? I think the biggest thing that I'm loving is is through entrepreneurship and acting. I have the time to educate myself. Um, on a daily basis, I, I can sit down, you know, any day I choose, I can structure my schedule the way that I choose to work. Um, and then I can do things like I can read a book, you know, in, in a day. Um, and so sometimes I'll go on little stints where I'll read three or four books in three or four days and I can just constantly educate myself. Um, and for me, that's brilliant because in my, you know, in my observation, everybody who's hyper successful, the biggest the, the people who are contributing the most back to the earth or guiding guiding the direction of the earth are people who are the most educated. And that doesn't necessarily mean by going to school. It just means they have they have learned from other people who are great. And ultimately, you know, after my acting career, I really want to get into um, reforming education and also reforming just kind of like the, the, the general structure of how people are living. I kind of want to um, contribute to some growth in that area. And I think by the time I get there, I will have the, the self-education to be able to make a positive impact there. 
So, Sean, if someone's listening to the show and they're thinking, I, I really have never followed my dream, whatever that dream is. Maybe they want to sing. Maybe they want to act. Maybe they want to start a dry cleaner. Whatever their, their childhood dream is, that piece inside them that they want to go explore. They want to be that entrepreneur or that solopreneur or that performer. What advice do you have to somebody who might be listening to this saying, God, I'm, I'm so jealous. I want to be like Sean. I think the first thing you have to do is just tell yourself that failure is okay. Um, you have to go out and fail. That is the only way you learn. And a lot of people are afraid to fail because they're, they're worried that like somebody will judge them for failing, that, that their friends will laugh at them, their family will laugh at them. And I think what you have to do is you just have to overcome that in your mind. You just have to tell yourself, I can fail and it's okay. And actually the biggest failure is, is to not, um, not follow what you want to do. So I think that's step one is uh, just kind of tell yourself that. Tell yourself that every day. Tell yourself in the mirror that you are great and that you are going to do great things. Um, come up with kind of a vision of what you want to do. And then, you know, it's kind of hard. Some people don't know what they want to do. And I'd say um, think back to your childhood. Think about what you enjoyed when you were young. Um, and see if you can find things there that you really enjoyed doing. And then start saying yes to everything. That is the biggest um, That is the biggest thing in my mind is that opportunities are scarce. When your friend calls you and says, hey, do you want to go on this trip? Hey, do you want to go see this? You take that opportunity because it doesn't come around again. Um, and once you start doing that, I think that I think that when you really start saying like, I want to be, you know, whatever you want to be and you start pursuing it, that life just kind of affords you opportunities. And it it's like it's like a test on you that life is throwing where they say, um, you know, it's like, are you going to actually jump? Are you, are you going to try to jump over this gap? And if you do, um, there will be another gap and, and then it'll keep happening. And as long as you keep making those bold moves and you keep doing what you want to do, you will be successful in life. Well, and I love that because you obviously live that. I mean, some stranger sends you a, a, a private message on Twitter saying, Hey, you want to be on my, my podcast? And you're like, sure. Let's do it. You just say yes, and who knows what comes from that. Somebody might hear this who just happens to be the right person who needed to hear that on that same certain day, and all of a sudden another person knocks on your door with something that becomes an opportunity. Yeah, well, and the biggest thing, you know, I would hope from this, just because this is a really cool, this was a really cool experience for me. Um, I'm, I'm really grateful that you had me on um, just because I haven't done this before. And I think the biggest thing that I'd want out of this, you know, is just to have somebody listen to this and and be like, wow, maybe I will get up today and go do what I wanted to do. Maybe I will learn this instrument. Maybe I will go on this trip that I really want to take. Maybe I will take a week off of work um, because I think those things aren't encouraged. And, and that would make me really happy just to know that one person went out after this podcast and did what they wanted to do. All right. You heard him. One person. So one person has to go do that. Hey, Sean, I got a couple more questions for you. But first, I've got to thank the sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Podfly Productions. Podfly takes the time and the headache out of creating your own podcast. Podfly sets you up with the right equipment and training so that you can ensure that you sound amazing. They do all the heavy lifting and the technical work so that you can focus on creating great content, growing your audience, and interviewing cool, cool guests like Sean Payne. If you're interested in starting a podcast, right now, jump – well, not right now. Let us finish the show. But right <laughs> after the show, jump over to podfly.net slash cool things and check out the offer that they have for the listeners of this show. So, Sean, I call the show Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. So what is the coolest thing you're doing right now with your career? Wow. That's a, <laughs> that's a really great question. Um, 
I think, you know, the coolest thing I'm doing is, is just getting out there and, and meeting people. Um, I really enjoy it. I get to work with new people every day. I get to work with a lot of different personalities. I get to see a lot of different talent. Um, and I, th- I think, you know, part of the fun of working in film is that, you know, one day I'll be working on a script that's like socially aware. And the next day I'll be working on something that's just a comedic, you know, it just, it's just meant to make people laugh. Um, so yeah, get to see a lot of cool sites, get to visit a lot of cool places and, uh, get to work with a lot of cool people. Well, and you told me that you've gotten like an obscenely large number of opportunities to get roles in student films and some other small things in just the four months you've been there. Yeah, um, done about 20 films or so in, in the four or five months, which is really a really high book rate down here. Um, and part of that will come from my autonomy and ability to make the scheduling time to do that. And part of it is just my um, I've, I've got a few things kind of tricks up my sleeve um, that I use to book roles that I think, uh, yeah, I think they really help me out. And um, I think they separate me from a lot of people. So I think I think that's great. So we could talk about Sean Payne and your acting career and your entrepreneurial side all day long. But I think the people who have the best entrepreneurial sort of spirit spark inside them, I think they're also observers. So I love to ask my guests, who is it out there that you see that you admire and say, wow, they're doing cool things? Um, I, I, for a long time, you know, I, I, I've got a couple. Um, and uh, the ones that come to mind immediately are um, Kanye West and Elon Musk. And I'm going to go ahead and talk about Kanye West. And maybe the first time those two have ever been put into the same sentence. <laughs> um, pretty close. Actually, Elon did a, a piece in Time magazine about about Kanye for like Man of the Year or something like that, um, or Biggest Influers or something. So, so tell us. So tell to. us why. Um, so for me, you know, the, the biggest thing that I noticed is, um, you know, Kanye West had the kind of the same mentality I did, where like when he was growing up, his mother said, you know, you can be anything you want to be, so do that. And and he went into music, and you know he. He's funny because he always says what he's going to do ahead of time, um, and I really like that. If you look at like the most recent, uh, like Conor McGregor, that that UFC fighter recently has been calling all his fights ahead of time, like to a T, what they're going to happen. And I, I think that's um, I think that's a really important thing for successful people to do is to sit down and say like this is what I'm going to do, this is what I want, and this is how it's going to happen, and and to do it because it enforces this idea of. Um, that, that it can be done. And I think that just believing that you can do it is the biggest part. Uh, and over the years I've noticed that, you know, as he's, as he's kind of grown, um, his, a lot of his stuff early seemed kind of arrogant and now he's getting into kind of like a, okay, how can I really give back, um, to the world? Uh, not just in a musical sense, but how can I give back and, and like, how can I, how can I build a better community? Um, and that's something that I think long-term, you know, I, that's something that I really aspire to do is I, I'm not just hoping to be an actor at the end of my journey. Uh, one of the things that I really want to do is work on the education system and, um, the general lifestyle that we've created in America and, um, improve both of those things significantly. And I have a lot of ideas, but those, that's just a guy who constantly says what he's going to do and then goes and does it. And, uh, I really respect that. And then Elon Musk. Elon Musk, um, you know, working at Tesla, it's hard not to love the guy. Um, we'd get emails and stuff where he would just say, you know, if anybody in the company is preventing you from, um, from effective communication or if anybody's limiting you in your ability to perform well, you know, you can message me directly. Um, he just runs his companies phenomenally. 
he's, he's a really hard guy. Um, so I know a lot of people have really, uh, been burned bad by him. Um, but I think, you know, his, his vision is not to make one individual feel great or, um, his vision is not to make profits. It is to, it is to completely change the, you know, our, our system of space travel, our system of daily travel, um, our energy industries, and you know now he's even getting into like the artificial intelligence thing too to make sure that artificial intelligence doesn't kill us all. And you know he's just brilliant. I mean he's he's not only brilliant, but he's he's using his brilliance for more than just making you know iPhone apps. He is really going out there and um, using it to change the way that we live and to improve the quality of life. So that leads into my next question. And my last question that I ask everybody is, I think great entrepreneurs want to do more than make money. And you've sort of alluded to this a couple of times throughout our interview. So I ask people, what is it that you do to give back to the greater good? So um, a couple things. Uh, I, I actually am a minimalist. So I have, I have very, very little um, in terms of possessions. This is something that I, I kind of implemented into my life recently. Um, and, you know, a lot of my stuff I, I just donated or um, or you know, gave to gave to people, um, and I think you know, for me, the way that I look at giving back, there's a few ways you can give back. You know, I think giving back artistically is one way. Um, I think that when you go out and you create, you know, pieces of art and and things like films, that you know, there are people out there that watch those things and it, it influences them. Uh, when I was growing up, I think I learned a lot of really good life lessons from film. I think, I think seeing the movie American beauty is part of the reason I was willing to say, screw the corporate job, you know? Um, so I think those can have big influences. And then, um, you know, another way that I give back is, is actually just in, in the, the capitalism that I'm going through because I, I really believe that, you know, building a business and, um, you know, helping people to make money. Like I'm a consultant, uh, and I'm actually working in, I'm now moving over to direct response marketing. Um, but I really think that stimulating the economy is a great way to give back. I think, you know, a lot of people say like, Oh, you know, these successful business owners, they need to give back. Um, but it's like when you're creating jobs, um, when you're stimulating the economy, that is, that is such a great, great way to give back. Um, and in long term. You know, I kind of have a bigger plan on how I want to to influence that. But right now, because I'm 25, uh, I don't have a ton of money. I've got to pay off student loans and stuff. Um, my biggest goal is just to educate myself so that I can give back in the highest capacity when I get to a spot where I have the resources and the exposure to be able to do that. I think by accelerating my acting career and getting to a platform like you know, if you have a name like Matt Damon, you can go out and you can start a you can start a nonprofit. You can start a, a business that gives back. You can start a movement. Um, you can start social reforms, whatever they are. And you have the exposure, and people people know who you are, and they believe in in what you do. They know you're smart. They know that you are. Um, they know that you're an influencer. And so that long term, that is where I want to be is is in that position where I can do something much bigger than I can do now. Well, I think I can speak for my entire audience. I think we're all sitting here after 35 minutes with you saying, oh, my God, this is the guy who's going to be the next Academy Award winner who goes and starts a movement. You are going to do what Matt Damon and others have done. And I think what we're going to do is we're going to go back in a couple of years after you win 
win that Academy Award, and we're going to replay this episode, and people are going to be, Tom, how did you get Sean Payne on your show? So I'm going to ask you to make one little commitment, because you are a yes-sayer, and that is when you win that Academy Award, you have to come back and do another interview with me, uh, even if like your agent is saying, no, you can only do the Today Show, you'll have to say, no, I'll do the Today Show and Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Yeah, I will. I'll definitely come back, Tom, and uh, I'll do it for free. There you guarantee go. It. There I'll you go. So, see that right now. So when, when I see this verbal contract, when I see you on the red carpet, I'm going to go. I have this. I have this on tape. I have this recorded. That he's going to come do a new interview with me. So it'll be it'll be me and Matt Lauer that day after the Academy Award. <laughs> All right. Well, Sean, I got to tell you, I am a huge believer in serendipity. I believe things happen for a reason. I'm not one who clicks through on every single Twitter follower that I get. I'm not one who reaches out to every single person who comes across the path and says, hey, I want you on the show. And I followed my gut. And this is one of the best interviews. And I think you provided not just your story, but I think you provided inspiration for the audience. So I want to say thank you for being on the show. And if somebody has listened and thinking, oh my God, I, I got to follow this guy. I got I to gotta get me a little piece of Sean Payne. How do they find you? Um, well, my Twitter handle is at Sean Major Payne and my website is SeanMajorPayne.com. I think there's even a, there is a contact form on there if anybody needs to get in touch with me. Um, that's S-E-A-N-M-A-J-O-R-P-A-Y-N-E.com. So are you a major pain? I am a major yeah. pain in the ass. Yeah, that's what it sounded like. So. <laughs> <laughs> I, I had seen that before because I'd been to your website, but when you said it, Sean, major pain, I thought, don't put a comma right there. <laughs> So again, thank you so much for being on the show. This was a great interview. Thank you for sharing with us. And for everybody who tuned in and listened, I know today you got a lot of inspiration. And I know there's at least one person out there who is going to do what he said and say, you know what, I'm going to go and follow my dreams. Because if this guy can do it and he can get 20 films in five months, I can go do whatever my dream is. And Sean, you were an inspiration to me. So thank you for being on the show. Thank you to everybody for listening. We're going to be back in a couple of days with another interview with somebody just as cool as Sean Payne. But in the meantime, I want you to go out there and have a great day. Thank you for being part of the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast. Without your participation and listening to these conversations, there is no show. Connect with Tom at TomSinger.com and follow him on Twitter at, at TomSinger. This podcast was produced in part by Podfly.net. Podfly, passion for great sounding podcasts. This podcast is a part of the C Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.